From the Partnership for Public Service, you're listening to Transition Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at presidential transitions. I'm David Marchick. This week on Transition Lab, we're going to do something a little different. In January of this year, we spoke to two former chiefs of staff, Dennis McDonough and Josh Bolton. They worked for different presidents. Dennis served under President Obama, and Josh was chief of staff for George W. Bush. Politically, they're on different sides. They disagree on a lot. But one thing they do agree on is that a smooth transition from one president to another is critical for our national security, for our economy, and for our institutions, particularly at a time of crisis. In 2009, as the financial crisis was raging and the United States was fighting two wars, Josh Bolton, on the orders of President Bush, set the gold standard for a smooth handover from one president to another. And as President Obama left office eight years later, Dennis sought to provide the same level of a handoff. With the 2020 elections kicking off in earnest, we thought it would be useful to re-release this conversation. Tensions will be high this fall. Both sides disagree on key issues. We might not even know who wins the election for some time after election night. What this conversation shows, however, is that Americans on both sides of the aisle can still work together on important tasks like transition. And when they do, the country ends up better off. With that, let's hear the episode. Today, we're talking to two exceptional individuals, both of whom served at the highest levels of government, both of whom served as chief of staffs for the president of the United States, both of whom served in the second term in that role. And for the purposes of our discussion, they also are unique in that they participated in three types of transitions, a transition into government, a transition to the second term, and then a transition to a new president, where they presided over perhaps the best transitions ever done in the history of the United States. So welcome to Josh Bolton, who served as chief of staff, as well as a number of other roles for President George W. Bush, and Dennis McDonough, who served as chief of staff to President Obama. So welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thanks so much, David. Thank you, David. By the way, we're both uh, eight-year guys. Both eight-year guys, um, which is very unusual. We, Only, which is why we have so much gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, gray hair is better than no hair, so I look at you with envy and anger. Josh, let's start going back to the election of 2008. You were on the campaign, and you were one of the earliest people. You actually worked for President Bush, then Governor Bush, for almost two years before the election. Bush did something very unusual, which was he tapped Clay Johnson to run a transition plan, to develop a transition plan, in the spring of 1999, 18 months before an election, which is very unusual. Was that planned? And what's your view on that in hindsight? In hindsight, it's a good idea. And what we experienced later was candidates who were reluctant to set up their transitions in advance because they didn't want to seem to be measuring the drapes, which is understandable, but a mistake. And so what President Bush did wasn't super formal, but Clay Johnson was his good friend from college who had been, after a distinguished business career, had been serving as head of personnel for the governor of Texas. And somebody who's been deeply involved in personnel, is a, that's, a, that's an important element of transition. Mm-hmm. And so 
then Governor Bush having having decided that he did want to take the the whole process seriously and should he win be well prepared to govern thought this would be a good role for Clay, who's not a particularly political person. Now, Clay didn't have all that much to do until early on. Here early on. Uh, but it was it was good to have him identified and in the role long in advance and to have somebody who was really spending their time uh, not focused on trying to win the election, which is what everybody else is focused on, but focused on what do you do after you win. And Dennis, you were involved in the campaign, but then Senator Obama started his transition planning in... Yeah, so he started talking with Pete Rouse about uh, transition planning in uh, early spring of 2008. And then uh, later in the spring, um, you may remember the exact dates, asked uh, Chris Liu to run the transition much much the way uh, Clay did for the Bush campaign. And so it does. I think it does make sense to bifurcate the responsibilities, in as much as the campaign responsibilities are all-encompassing. Um, and you want somebody who's close to the candidate, um, who has the trust of the candidate, and can be discreet. You know, it's interesting that uh, that both Clay Johnson and Chris Liu were classmates. Yeah. Yeah. Of the uh, of the of the then candidate. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, somebody really close to them whom they could talk about sensitive personnel decisions with and know it wouldn't go anywhere else. Yeah. And so that discretion is really important. And then the, also so the trust that there's a longstanding relationship that somebody's not going to try to be gaming um, the process, I think, strikes me as, as sensible. So as you're suggesting, the idea of getting a good head start on it makes sense. Whom the candidate chooses to be in that position of both trust and discretion, I think, is also important. An interesting contrast lesson is uh, is from the Trump administration, where, um, I, I mean, it, it, it feels sort of clever and, and appropriate for the candidate to have chosen and what had been a primary adversary uh, to do something like run the transition, but that that really isn't a good role because it's and, and Christie ended up being purged yeah. uh, right before um, right before the Trump administration actually took office. So he he and a, and a small team had done a fair amount of transition work. Uh, I think in a in a responsible way is my recollection. No, definitely. And definitely. yeah, and uh, and then. Um, sort of feeling in a, uh, a presence of somebody who wasn't really on the team, the president-elect decided, no, that's not my guy. And they they threw out the transition work. And so uh, the lesson here may be, uh, you know, pick a buddy. Pick yeah. a friend. Yeah. Yeah, someone you trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So fast forward to election day, Clay Johnson had then built a team. And then on election night, Surprise, surprise, nobody's declared a victor, okay? So you go through the recount, and actually your transition, instead of being 73, 74 days, which is the typical transition, was only 36 or 37 days. So were you ready on Inauguration Day to start? Um, 
yeah, you got to be ready. I mean, that's you, you don't have a choice. You, right. you, you can't say, uh, let's let's hold this off for a week. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, you can't go to John Podesta was the chief outgoing chief of staff <laughs> at the right. time. You can't go to Podesta and say, yeah, we're we're not really quite ready. Can you can you hang on right. for another couple of weeks right. while we do it? So you, you don't have any choice to be ready. Um, we had several advantages on the Bush team. Uh, one is that it, it was a, a well-organized, coherent team with a leader who valued all of that. And the second is that we had Clay Johnson already underway. Uh, we had a vice president-elect who had, was deeply experienced in government and could be deployed to, to help with the transition. Um, and, and actually to lead it when the time came. And finally, we had a, a group of people on the campaign staff who were prepared to step in and take roles in government that were relatively comparable to the roles that they had in the campaign. Uh, we did not experience what I think most administrations experience, which is a, a tension between the people who had, you know, really just killed themselves to get the candidate elected and weren't necessarily the right people to staff the senior positions in government. Uh, and therefore, there's campaign folks who are accustomed to having been in charge and, you know, doing things by the seat of the pants. And then all of a sudden, all these nerds show up with government experience. We, do, we didn't have a lot of that because... Um, we sort of had the nerds in place already. Right, you had your team in place. <laughs> yeah. And what was it like for you, Dennis? Was same same type of thing? Um, yeah, same, same type of thing. I mean, it, it is. I mean, I think it's important. The bifurcation of the team is, I, I think, we were just talking about, you know, the, the personnel and the timing. Uh, there's another important timing piece, and I think maybe you guys uh, live this uh, particularly, Josh, given the truncated nature of the, well, the, the intensity of the recount. And then the truncated nature of the transition, but you're tired, and the candidate's tired. Right at the end of the campaign, you know, you realize quickly that actually the hard part's to come. Right, and so having a bifurcated team with some some fresh legs, I think, ends up being extraordinarily important. Yeah, there there's some tension, but I I, I recall that last. I, I recall mostly a, a, an appreciation of or in a sense of appreciation that there was a, a set of fresh legs to, to kind of do the significant work of identifying people, getting people to and through ethics and background checks and, you know, murder bordering uh, them. And so uh, I, I do think this concept of, of uh, fresh legs coming in at a key time, you know, is really important. And Josh... The transition from the Clinton administration to the Bush administration was, let's say, less than smooth. It was not – maybe it was good with you and Podesta, but there were a lot of problems. There were a lot of stories. And I think that informed President Bush's thinking later about how he was going to hand off. But what was – what's your recollection of some of the challenges associated with the Clinton to Bush transition? Yeah, my recollection is that the um, the the reporting of the – of the difficulties was exaggerated. Okay. I mean, the, the media were are looking for that kind yeah. of thing naturally. We we did only have that uh, that truncated transition, and and by the way, Dennis, if you, 
if you think about fresh legs, imagine having just run the marathon, and as soon as you hit the tape, somebody says, no, well, there's, just, there's a one-mile sprint yeah, fair enough. Fair coming enough. up. Yeah. Uh, and then see how your legs feel yeah. after yeah. that. Um, so it, it, was a, it was a pretty tired team that walked into the White House on January 20th, 2001, but... Uh, it was a pretty, it was a pretty upbeat team. Um, it, be, and I think in part because of the contested election, um, there, some of the young folks on the on the Clinton team were bitter. Right. You know, they had been they had been strong Gore partisans, which I completely understand. So there were there were really minor things. It did, it didn't come from the top. Podesta and his crew were super professional and gracious. Um, the W's were missing from a bunch of the keyboards, right? Um, that kind of thing, and uh, <laughs> kind of a funny one was I experienced was I got to my the desk in my office and n nobody could reach me because my phone had been forwarded to a different number. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and and so kind of a juvenile I'm, pranks, yeah, juvenile point, right. pranks. And so we're laughing now. We, we actually kind of laughed at him at the time. We tried to downplay him, but the the press was was keen on on reporting some kind of conflict. It wasn't that bad, but uh, you're right. Uh, our experience didn't inform some of President Bush's feeling about it, and uh, he he appreciated all of the the gracious stuff and was was annoyed by the few bits of ungraciousness and uh, he he probably it would have been his instinct anyway but he probably set himself at that point uh on on a course of being determinately gracious we'll get to this later but you set up this whole process when you were leaving when president bush was leaving to facilitate an easy entrance for either uh, Senator Obama or Senator McCain. And Dennis, during this period, you were having regular conversations as part of this transition process with Steve Hadley, who was then the national security advisor. Yeah. Well, so, you, you know, the Josh really set the tone uh, at this time, at, as he'll, um, I'm sure, hasten to add, was at the direction of the president. Reckon it was at the direction of the president. <laughs> <laughs> he always does that. He's good um, at that. He is good at that. The transition was happening in a state of war, and it was important to recall that and um, to make sure that there was no sl slip from cup to lips in the context of the transition. Um, because I think it is, it's worth taking a, a moment here to just recognize that, you know, the, the transition is set uh, by the Constitution. That's set quite clearly, which means our adversaries know that too. And we can't give them any impression that somehow in the midst of this uh, handoff that we're somehow losing uh, track of important objectives of the country. And so the kinds of conversations that uh, I had with uh, the National Security Advisor, Steve Hadley at the time, or the conversations that Josh was having with Rom, and, uh, you know, Steve was having conversations as well with uh, Tom Donilon and Jim Jones. Uh, those are all really important things. And just to go back on what Josh was saying a minute ago, I think the general sense I had uh, during uh, the transition was a, a kind of a sense of camaraderie, uh, recognizing that you know we were handing off to a new team, but 
you know, given the stakes of the affair, you want to see them uh, be in a position to succeed. So, in, in, so the handoff from the Bush administration to the Obama administration was smooth, even though essentially a large part of the campaign of then-Senator Obama was a repudiation of some of the Bush policies. I, I, I tell you what I remember is, is that both candidates were running against the president. <laughs> both Obama and McCain were fashioning their ca- campaigns as not Bush. And and God bless them, George W. Bush understood that and did not take it personally. He didn't take it personally. And some, of, some of the rest of us did. Um, but, uh, I mean, the President Bush was sufficiently unpopular toward the end of his his term that it was kind of a political necessity for even the Republican candidate to be um, to be repudiating some of the some of the Bush positions and in in particular on uh, what had become very unpopular conflicts in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, we weren't we weren't actually indifferent. We were we were rooting for McCain, um, but we we stayed out and. On the president's direction, in the early part of 2008, he said, you know, prepare a really good, professional, smooth transition, because this is the first transition in modern history when the United States itself is under threat, and we have a a national security responsibility here, and uh, do uh, do the best possible job you can, regardless of who wins this election. I think I think it's worth, you know, putting it in that uh, personal terms, as Josh just has. I mean, we talked a minute ago about, you know, being at the end of the race, at the end of the campaign, and then turning the corner and realizing that the hard work is just starting. Uh, and we had fresh legs to either take over things or augment the team. But the one person or the two people who – don't get to slow down uh, are the president and the vice president-elect. And so uh, President Obama felt that commitment that Josh has given voice to from uh, President Bush. Fact is, as the president, you're taking over this thing, and there's very few people, you know, 45 of them, who have been through it. Right. And... Add to that the stakes that Josh has just talked about, which is this is in the age of al-Qaeda and the global uh, terrorist threat that had struck us right here at home. And the president himself recognizes the enormity of the challenge. So the, the fact that the, you know, his predecessor has teed up a process by which to make that not more challenging, but more smooth. Yeah, it's. it's uh, I mean, it's very. It's Dennis a very is, personal thing. Dennis mm-hmm. is right. It it is a very personal thing to to both the incoming and outgoing. Yeah. Um. And and a lot of their teams. I uh, I do have to correct one thing that Dennis just said though. There. Oh. There are only forty four men who have actually served as president of the United States. Good. Good. David, do you know why? Um, tell Trump me why. is the forty fifth president, but Grover Cleveland is counted twice. Is counted twice. Right. So, let's fast forward to year four. So, in year four, you're the director of OMB, which has broad powers across the government, and also is responsible for transition planning. And Dennis, you were deputy 
national security advisor at the time. So are you planning for a year five in the way that you were planning for a year one? Are you thinking about personnel? Are you thinking about new policies? Are you thinking about how do we re-energize, reorient, refresh? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, on one level, your your day-to-day responsibilities are no less. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they're um, as intense as ever. And so uh, the questions uh, about your, you know, what you do every day are quite obvious. I mean, you'll recall that, you know, in September 2012 is uh, Benghazi, for example, as an example of the enormity of the questions that you're wrestling with mm-hmm. every day as a matter of course. And so the agenda as a daily matter is plenty full. But you do have to be thinking about what the next term priorities are. The president is out campaigning and making commitments to the voters about what it is that uh, he will do. Uh, And you want to make sure that those commitments are able to be executed and and are based on uh, concrete, uh, executable uh, strategies. And so that work is ongoing. And then, of course, you're thinking about your team and who's, um, you know, some of your team may have already indicated that they've got uh, different plans. They're ready to go. Yeah. So you're making uh, plans for them. Uh, But then you're also thinking about, um, you know, you've been through a transition once. Mm -hmm. You know that um, the stakes of the game are as high as they get. And you know that at the end of the day that the personnel are key to making sure that you can execute as against those challenges. So, so yeah, you're thinking also about people. Because mm-hmm. um, the data shows that about half the people that are secretaries, deputy secretaries, or undersecretaries, just less than half, turn over within the first six months of a second term, which means that's a lot of new people, a lot of new bodies, a lot of new, new people to bring in. Yeah, and the newness is a good thing. It's not yeah. a bad thing. Well, I, I, I would say that the Bush administration made the, uh, the converse uh, mistake, which is that um, we didn't really treat it as, an, as a moment of transition. I mean, as, as, um, as farsighted and, and thoughtful as I think President Bush was in directing a, um, a robust transition in 2008, um, I cannot say that that was very high on the, the agenda in 2004. And, you know, anybody who's elected president is a, is a competitive person and is, isn't inclined to say, you know, I need to plan for defeat. Right. Uh, and so the person sitting in the Oval Office is likely to have the kind of personality who's, who's focused on how are we going to win and what are we going to do after we win? And there was plenty of focus on that. In the in the Bush White House in 2004, there there was not a lot of focus in 2004 yeah. on planning for what to do if we if we lost. And I know Andy Card, my predecessor and our our good friend, who was chief of staff at the time, tried to persuade the president to think about a second term, even in victory, as a as a as a moment of transition, mm-hmm. a moment uh, even in victory, as a moment to think just 
think about the staff and the cabinet from the beginning. And presidents just aren't aren't inclined to do that. And good advice is seize the opportunity. Assume you're going to win, but treat it as a transition and make sure you're prepared and uh, to hand off in good shape in case you don't. So what would you advise people in the Trump administration to do now that they're in they're coming up on year four, they're running for your election? He could win. And if he does win, presumably, as Americans, we want him to have an effective government and plans. So what would you advise them to be doing now and into year four? I mean, treat it, treat it like a transition, maybe appoint a transition director of some kind, some, somebody that the president is close to, rethink all of your personnel um, and, and know what your priorities are. President Obama, I'm sure, was like President Bush in knowing what priorities they wanted to pursue in beginning in year five right. of the presidency. Um, but we sure weren't thinking about, okay, so, you know, who would be, how to reshuffle the cabinet and that kind of thing. And those are all important things to think about. And that would be my my advice to the to the Trump administration, including to the president, but the president by personality, every president by personality is, is going to be resistant to that kind of advice. Right. I think that the same lesson that we talked about earlier about a bifurcated team and new legs and fresh perspective, I think, applies. Right. And so I, I think it, I think a best practice is to think about how do you put this somewhere where somebody you trust and who's discreet uh, can help you give a good, hard uh, look at that. And, you know, as chiefs of staff, we had strategies as to how to do that as a general planning matter, you know, red teams and clean teams and stuff like that. But having one expressly dedicated transition makes sense. And then this is where you can use the agencies to your advantage uh, here. There's a lot of ways to do it, but just very concretely, Department of Justice in 2012 uh, set aside a team of people to help clear personnel associated with the Romney transition so that people could get, you know, down the time curve to getting those security clearances. And in fact, several people get the security clearances so they could begin to dig in on them. Yeah, they had 150 to 200 people. And this was a lesson out of 9-11 when President Bush had all the secretaries in place, all the deputy secretaries, but not all of the undersecretaries and people below that had received their security clearances. Yeah, very, very few people below. And the so the 9-11 Commission said, let's get people cleared. And the Obama administration did a great job of saying, all right, we're going to set aside a team, we're going to insulate them from politics, and we're going to commit to the Romney campaign to get their people cleared, and they're not going to leak. Yeah. And that was really a good innovation in the Obama administration. Yeah. And a lot of that now, is, as we've talked about a couple of times, and as uh, David, you and your team know better than we do, is – some of those practices are memorialized in statute in the Presidential Trans- Transition Act. The concepts of the Transition Act actually trace back to something that Josh Bolton did. And Josh, you really set the gold standard for transition planning when you left office. Actually, the only other president that had tried to effectively transition out and effectively plan was Truman, because he was so frustrated that he didn't know about the bomb, about everything else. When he took over, he tried to get Eisenhower and also the Democratic candidate to work with him. And Eisenhower kind of blew him off. And there's a famous letter that Truman wrote to him saying, you're being really dumb for not doing this. Right after the election, President Bush brought the entire White House staff to the South Lawn and made perhaps the most comprehensive and eloquent statement 
ever made by a U.S. president on the importance of a smooth transition to power. Let's take a listen. This peaceful transfer of power is one of the hallmarks of a true democracy and ensuring that this transition as as smooth as possible is a priority for the rest of my presidency. We face economic challenges that will not pause to let a new president settle in. So over the next 75 days, all of us must ensure that the next president and his team can hit the ground running. So president asked you, obviously the president, why did you think it was important to actually start a year ahead to get the gears of government going to hand off the government in a smooth way to either Senator Obama or Senator McCain? It's not not more complicated than what the president said Mm -hmm. uh, when he gave me the direction, which is the first time in modern history that that the territory of the United States is actually under threat. We cannot afford those weeks and months of people trying to learn on the job. They've got to be as as well prepared and as well in place as we possibly can make them uh, beginning on January 20th. So it was uh, it, it was just that simple. And so we put some effort into it. I, I, I can't say it was a, uh, an exceptionally well organized, Effort because we didn't we didn't have a playbook. It's uh, Dennis is right. There's no there's really no there was certainly at the time no manual for how to how to turn over government. But or what how did to you do, which then became the playbook and then became the law? We we had a we had a transition group um, that uh, you know went cut across the government mm-hmm. representatives from um, all of the sectors of the government and so on that. Uh, that we met periodically, um, and we and we showed strong White House interest in every one of the agencies, preparing themselves well to prepare the next folks coming in, and that's an easy thing to do in the second term, way out in the open, because it's you know you can't get reelected, so it doesn't look like you're you're anticipating being defeated, and we invited in outsiders into that process. And then we uh, we made contact with uh, with the campaigns early on and really invited them in strongly encouraged them to come in and start reading in start uh, start giving us names to clear but Bush was supporting McCain yeah. how did you give the Obama team comfort that you were going to be fair you, you just well, tell I, them we'll be we'll be fair we'll keep your confidences now once again in our case, uh, it was pretty clear that both candidates were running against the president, so it's not. And we we clearly had a side. We were we were for McCain, but we went out of our way to demonstrate to the uh, to the Obama team that we were we were playing it straight. And you felt yeah. like they were being fair, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, totally playing it straight. And and there's a kind of a let's call it a kind of philosophical question, and then there's a structural question. Mm-hmm. You know, the philosophy that. Josh communicated to. Uh, I, I, I'm comfortable speaking for the McCain campaign because I'm. I guarantee they had the same sense that we did. But you know, we. You know, for example, we. we our campaign is now public. Our campaign was hacked in the summer of 2008. All right, the notification of that incident 
came from Josh. So Josh called you or someone in the campaign said you guys have been hacked. Josh called, I think, David. Pluff. Yeah. Yeah, Called David Pluff. And Pluff called me and said, you're the only guy with security clearance around here. You got to go talk to these guys. And you found that out through intelligence sources or some other manner. From the FBI. From the FBI. Okay. And so so in this first question of philosophically and temperamentally, is there a reason for us to trust these guys? I mean, you know, if, you know, Josh. Yeah, you trust them. Yeah. Right. Then there's a structural question, which is, are the agencies set up so each agency has a lead and it's a career civil servant or foreign service officer, and that person has her team, and then once you are a camp, once you're a president elect. You then have an agency lead and landing teams that marry up with those structures. So Josh did both, right? He communicated uh, his interest in an effective transition, but he also built the structure that ends up being the basis now for the statute that requires, as I say, a senior civilian, that is to say civil servant, non-political person in each agency who's going to stay. Josh, one of the things that made it unique was that it was the first time actually since Truman that a two-term president was leaving office when their vice president, vice president wasn't, wasn't running. running yeah. So if Vice President Cheney were running for yeah, office, that could you have done the same thing or it would have been difficult? Yeah, we, we definitely would have done the same thing. We would have had exactly the same instruction from the president, but it would, it, it would have naturally been more difficult. That made our lives somewhat easier um, in a in a difficult circumstance. The, the one thing to say about the Bush to Obama transition is to add to what Dennis said is that as as committed as we were to doing it right, we, you know, we we were kind of groping along and trying to figure out how to do that. We were our counterparts on the Obama side were a really experienced professional and civil bunch of folks, beginning with Chris Liu, whom you mentioned, Mm -hmm. the president's classmate from law school, um, who was the, I guess he was, Dennis, the executive director or something. And then in comes John Podesta as the chairman of the transition. And uh, lo and behold, John Podesta is the guy who was Clinton's last chief of staff and had done the last transition out. So... He, he knew what was going on, and, yeah. uh, you know, we knew him as someone of, of integrity who had dealt with us fairly, and it was, it was super easy to deal with an Obama team that was so well-staffed and extremely well-organized from the perspective that I could have. So actually, uh, President Bush asked Andy Card to be chief of staff several weeks before the election. Did Obama ask Rom the I same thing? I think so. But you I, don't. I, I mean, I have to. I I I, ju- I remember the conclusion of that meeting that night. Whether he actually and his decision that night, which is that you want a calm, it. cool, collected person like Josh to be chief of staff, and that's how he came <laughs> up with Rom. We're <laughs> looking for somebody with nine and a half fingers. <laughs> He's of medium height. That's what that's what Zients claims is somebody like Rom or Zients who, uh, you know, strike me as more short, but. He claims they're medium height. Right, okay. Right, so you're looking for somebody medium height with nine, nine at half least fingers, nine and a half right. fingers. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, as, as different as Ram and I m- might be by disposition and as different as our vocabularies may be. <laughs> uh, you, use, you have more potty talk, Josh? 
yeah. Well, let's let's just put it this way: we we can both swear, but Rom can swear for ten minutes without <laughs> without repeating himself. <laughs> but as as different as as he and I are by personality, uh, we we were actually friends from. Uh, from his service in the House Democratic leadership, and in particular, he was a a, a key contact for the White House during the financial right. crisis. So he was somebody we were accustomed, to, and I, I in particular, as the chief of staff, was accustomed to working with him. So we had the fortuity of that, but that that fortuity went went across a lot of the positions that were transitioning in and out, and. Um, it speaks, I think, to one of the strengths of our of our system of democracy is that people on uh, different uh, different places on the ideological spectrum, if they're professional and experienced, have probably run into each other right. and you know know how to deal with each other. Right. And uh, one of the concerns I have about our current environment is that that's deteriorating. Right. President Obama also made an eloquent statement on the importance of a smooth transition right after the election of 2016. The peaceful transition of power is one of the hallmarks of our democracy. And over the next few months, we are going to show that to the world. And Dennis, so when you were chief of staff, when Obama was leaving office, you essentially followed the Bolton playbook. Yeah, so I I did try to just run uh, each of the things that Josh ran. I, I... I didn't do as good a job of kind of planning in advance. Uh, so, but I did try you, to. Emulate. You didn't. You weren't aware it was coming. What? <laughs> no, I just. It's a fair question. <laughs> Took you by surprise. Just, it, uh, it shouldn't have, but um, I, I, I don't have a good excuse. <laughs> okay. So if we do another one of these, I'll have a good excuse by then. And you actually worked pretty well with both Secretary Clinton's team, who you knew well, but yeah. also Chris Christie's team, yeah. who was very professional. And yeah, we we are on a very we had a very regular meeting cadence starting in the you know after the conventions. Um, they we were getting information, making sure that the people were cleared. We we're getting them information they needed. Uh, you know they had workspaces. I think we can come back to this later, but I think this whole question of workspaces and computer infrastructure in this day and age is an important. Thing, making sure that people are practicing good cyber hygiene, that people are aware that because we you know, know that other countries are going to ha- try to hack totally. into the transition teams with a hundred percent certainty. Well, they, they're they're going to try to do everything they can to disrupt, collect uh, at all times, and they're going to look at for times of vulnerability. So we people shouldn't be using their Gmails or their Yahoo accounts. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Then this is the pro- pro- the most vulnerable time in the in the entire calendar of United States governance yeah. is is that those few days in the, with uh, without going and incoming. Yeah. So the two that so so in addition to the that structure of meetings that uh, giving the teams for Secretary Clinton and then Mr. Trump, their workspaces, getting them information. Then we also, which are you know Josh Innovations, and the, the other two things that Josh did that we emulated are we had a uh, lunch in the chief of staff's office. I think Josh did a breakfast of four. We invited all the living chiefs of staff uh, and Reince, and mm-hmm. we had a conversation with him uh, over lunch. And then in January, we also... Uh, 
emulated another Josh innovation, which is a basically a joint meeting of the National Security Council and Homeland Security Council personnel. A tabletop exercise. Tabletop exercise. So people got to know each other. People got to brief through uh, their colleagues. The incoming team got some familiarity with at least the flow of the meeting and uh, kind of the the nature of the documentation. And so those are all things that we quite purposely emulated uh, after Josh had. And that's but they were in law as well. Yeah, and and they were, but they were much better organized and and I think executed eight years later than they were in our time because we were kind of we were still kind of fumbling yeah. fumbling with the playbook and uh thanks to a lot of good work done by uh by folks on the outside in, including an organization uh D- David that you know well the partnership for public service um Dennis by the time your time came around there was there was uh there was statutory obligations and there there was kind of a playbook by then yeah. so um, as as much as I appreciate the kudos being given to the Bush administration on the way out, I, I think what was done in the Obama administration, and I hope what will be done at the appropriate time in the Trump administration, is much more organized and professional than we than we were able to accomplish yeah. in 2008. Well, Josh Bolton, Dennis McDonough, thank you very much for your time. And more importantly, thank you very much for the service to our country. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you for listening to Transition Lab. Visit presidentialtransition.org to learn more and sign up to be the first to know when we come out with new episodes.